0: Mothers are a complicated species, loved and cared for the world over, and yet our relationship with them isn't always simple. There can be lots of pain as we talk about mothers, as when we talk about fathers. For some people, the subject of motherhood is upsetting. They would love to be mothers, but are unable to for various reasons. For us, it reminds them of loved ones that they've lost either recently or even a long time ago. These things... Stay with us. And when it gets to mother-in-laws, it gets even more complicated, doesn't it? But we won't go there this morning. But whatever we think of mothers, in our passage this morning, Jesus describes himself like a mother. <coughs> even strangely, he describes himself like a mother hen. Now let me just start by clearing up some confusion, uh, which is a bit obligatory these days. It's not saying that Jesus is a female. Uh, it's not saying that he thinks that he's a woman. Equally, it's not saying that Jesus is a hen. Um, That would be about the same level, wouldn't it? But what we see here is that Jesus, when he's describing his emotions for his own people, when he's describing what he feels like for the people of Jerusalem, the closest language that he can use to describe how he feels is the love of a mother to her child, a mother hen to her chicks, a mother bird to her young. So this morning, we're just going to explore that verse a bit more. Uh, we're going to explore what Jesus meant when he said that he was uh, a mother hen, and what this means for us today. So, our first point is the marvelous mother hen. The marvelous mother hen. Here we're talking about Jesus. Why does he use this image for himself? Well, he stands here. It's, it's sort of in the middle of that song that we uh, we just sang. He's uh, looking over the capital. Uh, looking over Jerusalem uh, it's after they've shouted Hosanna for him to come in but it's before they've crucified him and as he looks he's seeing the city he's seeing the site of the temple where the people went to meet with God he's seeing the homeland of the Jews now the rest of the chapter he's actually spent uh, berating the Jews especially the ultra-religious ones for their hypocrisy he's been giving a speech that would be very very unpopular He's used some pretty strong language. So if you look back in your your passage to verse 33, this is how he talks to them. He says, you serpents, you brood of vipers. In verse 17, he talks about them as blind fools. Uh, And again and again and again in the passage, he refers to them as hypocrites who strain out the gnat and swallow the camel, as it says in verse 24. He's talking to people here as as he gives this speech, if you like, uh, who are concerned with religious particularities while ignoring the big things like justice and kindness. And Jesus is not mincing his words as he talks to them. If you think of this in terms of, of mothers, and I think of my mother, he's given them a real telling off. That's what he's been doing for the rest of the chapter. It's the classic, you've let yourself down, you've let your mother down, you've let your father I was going to tell the joke about the balloons, but I thought everyone would have heard uh, heard that. It's still a good joke, isn't it? If you haven't heard it, I'll I'll tell you it afterwards. Um, But uh, it's like that speech, isn't it? You've let yourself down, but only stronger. But here at the end of the speech, after all this berating, after all this telling off, there's a change of gear, isn't there? Have a look again at verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Do you hear the affection of a parent here? Longing for the child to give up their nonsense and come back to the safety of home. The feelings we have for our children, if we have them, is similar to the feeling that Jesus has for his chicks. I mean, we know, don't we, that parents love their children. Think about the love that you might have for your children if you have them, or the love that your parents had for you. Do you think the love that God has for us is any less than that? No, it's more, isn't it? The affection that he has for us, more love, more affection, more care. Actually, they're even as strong as those feelings are that we feel at times, they pale into nothingness, strong as they are when compared with the love that God has for us. And God's love means that He cares for our safety. That's really what the picture is here. The picture is about safety. That's when a hen gathers her hens, uh, her chicks, sorry, under her wings. It's when danger's in the way. It's not really for a snuggle. Uh, it's more for security. So when the fox comes, the the hen gets her brood under her wings, brings them into her protection, puts her way in the the self of, uh, in the, herself in the way of danger. Have you ever heard your child scream? Or have you ever heard a child scream? I mean, really scream. I remember a a few years ago when Calvin uh, was ill. We didn't know he was ill until we heard a scream in the middle of the night. Um, He was convulsing. And he looked absolutely terrified. And you just hear that scream and you jump out of bed. You can't help it. and You can't stop yourself. He was terrified. I would have given anything to protect him. Because we want the security of our children, don't we? That's what's natural for parents to feel. That's what, what's natural for mothers to feel. If you want a bit more of a silly illustration, when I was on the plane on the way back, couldn't sleep very well, and ended up watching a film called Bad Mums. Um, <clears throat> really wouldn't recommend it. Um, don't watch it. Um, <clears throat> but it did have a good quote in it. Uh, That's a two hour long film, one good thing. Um, In the film, a daughter's being victimised at school by one of the the ladies on the parent-teacher association. And she's trying to fight back, and in the end, she sort of thinks that she can't do it. She can't defend her daughter. She can't protect her. And another mum says to her this, I'm going to slightly paraphrase. You're going to rise up like a small, little, white Apollo Creed. And you're going to look at Gwendolyn, that's the woman who's picking on her, And you're going to say, you can do what you want to me, I don't care, throw it at me, but you have messed with my daughter, and now I have to fight you. I will fight you in the playground, I will fight you in the cafeteria, I will fight you in the parking lot of Trader Joe's, but I will have justice for my little girl, because I am a mum, and we protect our young. So get off this couch, turn off the TV, and let's body slam this loser. (laughs) You can tell what sort of film that is from the the end of it. I'm sure a lot of us can associate with those feelings. When our our young, when our children are, are in danger, when they're in need of protection, we feel that, don't we? We might not put it like that, but you get the feeling. We protect our young. And Jesus, as he speaks here, knows that if they carry on as they are, they're in real danger. Impending doom is coming. We had read to us that section afterwards in chapter 24 where Jesus foretells the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple 40 years later. He knows what's coming for the very people that stood in front of him, impending doom. And Jesus has longed for them to come home and avoid the destruction that he can foresee. And there are three rather shocking things with this, aren't they? Firstly, that Jesus can foresee the impending doom. He knows this is coming. He knows that if they carry on on this self-destructive path, this is what will happen. Now, you might put that down to intuition, but it seems much stronger. He seems to know specifically what's going to happen. The second thing that's shocking is that he speaks of himself as being much older. Do you see that in our verse? He speaks of himself as though he's the mother of Jerusalem. Now, Jesus was 33 when he said these things. If you want to know what a 33-year-old looks like, You've got one stood in front of you. I'm not particularly old. If I sat here and, and talked as though I was your mother or, or your father, most people in this room would think that very strange. But here Jesus speaks as though he's the mother of a whole city, of all these people. And because of that as well, he speaks as one, thirdly, who can offer protection. The thing about it, he says, Come under my wings. He's the one that's longing to gather them together, as though he can stop the danger. All these things point to something that's crucially important, as we see what Jesus is saying here. The man saying these words is God himself. He knows what's coming, because he himself will bring it. He's longed for Jerusalem for a long time, because he's been around much longer than Jerusalem. And he is the only one who's able to offer protection. He's the one who stands with his arms open wide. God himself. But he's the one that they've refused. Which brings us to our second point. The rebellious chicks. I'll read verse 37 to you again. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing Do you find the attitude of the chicks here a bit surprising? The mother hen is there with arms wide open, offering protection. But the chicks refuse her shelter and protection. You'd think that when there was danger coming, if you knew there was danger coming, that you'd run to a place of shelter. But instead, these guys just carry on regardless. And it's not like standing in the face of danger like that that brave policeman this week, PC Palmer. PC Palmer who ran towards danger. Actually, it's more about stubbornly refusing help when it's offered. We're talking about spitting in our mother's face when she offers to help us in a time of need. Imagine how your mother would have felt if you'd done that. It's a bit like being caught in a burning building. you imagine uh, stuck on one of the the top floors and a a fireman comes and says, all right, I'm here to rescue you. He's, all I'm fine. I'll, I'll sort myself out. He says, no, no, I'm here to rescue you. I'm not interested. Please go away. But you need to get out of the building. Would you just leave me alone? Go take a long walk off a short ledge. That would be shocking, wouldn't it, if that happened? But this is what the chicks are doing here. Get lost, not interested. You were not willing. You would not. They didn't want the protection that Jesus was offering now, the chicks in the first place are the people of Jerusalem. They're the ones that Jesus is talking to uh, in front of him. These are the ones that he's looking over as he sees the city. These are the ones who have killed the prophets. And they're the ones that have been challenging Jesus and seeking to kill him. Jesus, earlier on in this speech, has pointed out that that's what they do. They, they, The people of Jerusalem are the ones who kill the prophets. He talks uh, in this speech about them building monuments. Uh, So there in uh, verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. So what he's saying there is that actually by building up the graves, they're actually reminding everybody that their fathers were the ones who actually killed the prophets. It would be a bit like France putting up a monument for Waterloo, reminding themselves of their failure rather than their victory. But it's not just Jerusalem, though. If you notice as well in the verses before, Abel is spoken of. So verse 35, so that on you uh, may come the blood of all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah. Abel's mentioned as well. This is something a bit broader that's happening here. Not all the prophets even were killed in Jerusalem. Some belonged to the northern kingdom, some went further away, didn't they? So Jerusalem is not here singled out because it's special, but because it's typical. Typical of the Jews who refused and abused their prophets, but also typical of all humankind. This is what we're like naturally. God stands there with arms open wide, and we reject him. God sends us messengers, and we ignore them. Or worse. All of us are rebellious chicks when it comes down to it. All of us reject God in our heart of hearts. And that means that we have a problem. The problem is that we've rejected the mother hen when we're in the face of mortal danger. Now here our illustration with the mother hen breaks down a little bit. Because the danger we face is from God himself. He's both the danger and the rescuer from the danger. Let me explain what I mean here. He is the one who's going to bring the judgment, but he's also the one that offers rescue from the judgment. It's a bit like with my boys, you might have heard me shouting numbers at them, uh, one, two, and three. That's not just random numbers. I'm not teaching them to count. Um, That's my way of giving them a bit of a warning uh, before it comes. So I might say, come here. And if they don't, then it's one. Come here. You know what happens when you get to three? Come here. You're going to get a big off telling off at three. Two and a half, come here. Now, sometimes I get to three. But other times, do you know what I do? I pick them up and I bring them to myself before I get to three. I'm both the danger and the rescuer from danger. I'm the danger because I'm the authority over them. I'm the one that's going to tell them off on three. But I'm also the rescuer of them because I love them. And I don't always want them to get there. Uh, it's a bit like that for Christians as well. It's a wonderful doctrine called it restraining grace, where God doesn't let us so stubbornly continue in our sin. Actually, God stops us from being as, as stubborn as we could be. He restrains us. And here the idea is if God is uh, able to stop his own wrath, he's able to rescue them from it. Now, somebody recently challenged this idea. Uh, they said something along the lines of this. What kind of a God Is it that we need rescuing from? The idea that God would need to be rescued from? Well, the answer is that he's an all-powerful, all-just, all-knowing God that we've offended. The God who can call out hypocrites as he's just done because he isn't one. The God who can make the rules, because he made life itself. Now, by rejecting him, that should have made him our enemy. And yet there's hope. It's not the end of the story. So our final point is the end of the story. I said at the beginning, this is the beginning of our Easter series. And actually Easter is where this whole story is heading. And Matthew's gospel has already set those things in motion. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, will kill God's son, Jesus. Jesus, the great king, will lay down his life. He will face the peril himself. He will take the punishment that we deserve. In the language of our passage, the mother hen will sacrifice herself for her children. And we can sort of understand that, can't we? There are countless stories told, aren't there, of the bravery of mothers. Cheryl Anderson, who refused cancer treatment so her unborn daughter Taylor could live, and on the day that she was born, the mother died. Jean Dinsmore, who drowned, rescuing her two children, Rosie and George, from a vicious tide. Laura Bailey, who was stabbed six times, protecting her 12-month-old son, Joseph. We understand that mothers do that. They love their children. They sacrifice for their children. But we understand, too, that it's not that the children are special. We all know mothers who have sacrificed so much for children who really don't seem to deserve it. Mothers who've been stolen from. Mothers who've been lied to. Mothers who've been abused by their own children. The worth here is not in the children, but in the parents who sacrificed for their children. Jesus, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, will lay down his life for the very people who crucified him. This is a man who cried out, Father, forgive, as they put nails through his hands. So the mother hen lays down her life for the rebellious chicks who refused her care and protection. So here's the question, What will the chicks do now? The mother hen in our story does not stay dead, but rises again. That's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Will they turn to her for protection, for care and for comfort? Or will they continue to stubbornly refuse? And that's the question we're faced with this morning. Will we carry on refusing God's love? Will we carry on going our own way? Will we face his judgment? Or will we run to the shelter of Jesus' wing? It's a choice that each of us has to make. Some of us have made it already. And if we have, then we need to remember just how much God loves us. We see it finally and wonderfully in the cross as he lays down his life. It's a bit like Mother's Day, isn't it? We uh, love our mothers every day of the year. But Mother's Day is that special occasion where we show it, isn't it? We're actually allowed to show some affection as British people. But Jesus gave us more than a card, didn't he? God's gift of the cross did something. It offers us forgiveness and a fresh start with God. So the love that your mother gave you, whether good or bad, is nothing compared to the love that God has shown us in Jesus. I'm going to finish off with a poem this morning. The mother hen saw danger come. She cried to her chicks, come here to mum. They didn't come. The mother hen took danger on. She fought the peril full head on. They didn't come. The mother hen was crucified and bore the danger as she died. They didn't come. The mother hen then rose again, ascended to her throne to reign. They didn't come. The mother hen has life to give. She beckons to you, come and live. Will you come? They were not willing. Are you? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the tremendous love that you've shown us in Christ. Father, thank you that he would go to the cross and die for rebellious people. Father, thank you that he shows us that affection of a mother, Father, as he looks at us. And Father, pray that we would know that we are loved. Father, pray that that would change how we act. Father, pray that we would continue to come to him for care and protection and comfort in our time of need. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish with a song that speaks of the free gift that is offered by Jesus. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Let's stand and sin.